lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Uh, welcome to the first edition of Lit with Lloyd. I'm Lloyd Russell, and every month I will interview a local author. My first guest is Gary Singh, and before I ask Gary uh, questions, I would like to read uh, a little bit about him. Gary's byline has appeared over 1,400 times in numerous trade and consumer publications, including feature stories, travel essays, music and arts criticism, sports writing, business journalism, poetry, and short fiction. For 15 straight years, his newspaper columns have appeared in Metro, the alternative weekly newspaper of San Jose and Silicon Valley. Uh, and by the way, this is actually year 16 for Gary. His poems have been published in The Pedestal Magazine, Maudlin House, and several more. He's the author of The San Jose Earthquakes, A Seismic Soccer Legacy, which was published in 2015 by the History Press, and was recently a Steinbeck Fellow in Creative Writing at San Jose State University. My first question to Gary is, what have you done for us lately? What have I done for us lately? Yeah, um, I, do, I do things lately every single week in the newspaper. So I think uh, lately would be the issue that's, that is out this week. Um, there's a wonderfully melancholic uh, story or column in this week's issue, which is out on the streets right now. Um, you know, it's about me. Um, it's a very poetic uh, snapshot of the Denny's on Blossom Hill and what it looks like now in a pandemic. And uh, the narrator is uh, sitting there thinking about all of the uh, record stores that were in that area back in the 1980s when uh, the 27 ran all the time and you didn't have to worry about waiting 45 minutes in Los Gatos for the bus to show up or any of that kind of stuff that happens nowadays. Uh, it's a wonderfully, like I said, melancholic portrait of that part of Blossom Hill Road by Oak Ridge and all that stuff. So that's what I've done lately. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's uh, back up. Uh, how did you even get started writing? What made you decide you wanted to write? That's a beautiful question. Um, I grew up uh, not that far from where we're sitting right now. I grew up down by Lee and Blossom Hill, and then I was always a musician. I always played piano and organ and keyboards, and that's why I went to San Jose State University. Um, because at that time, uh, Alan Strange was teaching there, and um, Alan actually lived right up the hill from where we're sitting, right here, right up College Avenue to around the other way, close to where the trail ends from Lexington coming the other direction. You know, he lived up there. But um, so I was taking lessons from one of his friends in his house, and then um, I wound up going to school at San Jose State to study music. You know, that was the reason I stayed in college. That's the reason I went to college. Um, and I, I took a lot of music classes, a lot of art classes, and um, I was writing some critical theory stuff at the same time. So that all of that is what my degrees are in from San Jose State. And then Alan and I were traveling to various computer music conferences in the last part of the 90s. And that's the traveling is sort of what turned me into a writer if I had to pinpoint one thing. But um, somewhere in the course of all of that, um, I stopped my music chops went to hell and I just was writing more often. And then as the 90s 
imploded into the 2000s. I was uh, no longer working at San Jose State. My time there was done and I had some freelance writing jobs here and there and I was morphing into a writer that way. And then I realized that all of my background, the entire bouillabaisse of stuff that I'd already done or been through in my, just being in, at the end of my 20s, um, it was a great way. It was great material from which I could pull ideas and pitch stories to different magazines and things like that. And then at the same time, the Metro opportunity came up to start writing for them and all of that sort of. And because I had had grown up in San Jose and had a knack for all the bit strange histories of all the streets and the buildings and the very, and I had a punk background and a metal background and an academic background. Hmm. All of this together proved to be uh, the perfect bouillabaisse of stuff from which I could then spoon out all these crazy stories. And um, so then Metro became my base while I sort of, um, freelanced on the side a little bit and then um they gave me my own column in 2005 and i figured that would last about a few months because i really didn't want to live here forever but um <laughs> that turned into 16 years and then here we are okay i know it's a lot that's that's the short version okay all right well we don't mind the longer version but we'll get to that that's okay nothing with me is a simple answer i mean i've been trying to simplify my life you know for many years it's not very easy you know there's some famous leonard cohen quotes about you know all we want to do is just simplify our lives but it keeps getting more complicated you know well as a follow-up to that question about how you got started most of the authors that i talked to they they wanted to write at an early age, but but they were all kind of committed to the storytelling type. You have you have branched out into so many different kinds of writing. How how did you how did you even manage doing all the different things that you do? Well, now it's a lot simpler. I don't have as much work as I used to. Okay, because I mean, but you know, twenty years ago was sort of like 20 years ago was about the end of the era when you could really live as a freelance writer doing only journalism and magazine and newspaper work okay now i mean nowadays when people call themselves freelance writers they don't mean they're writing stories in newspapers and magazines and that's their entire income they're doing like corporate work or they're writing copy for websites or they're proofreading stuff or they have all these different clients and then they do all sorts of different things but um you know um in those years, 20 years ago, I mean, you could still, a lot of magazines still paid a lot of money. There was a, the, the World Wide Web had just exploded. The whole dot-com boom was happening. So there was a lot of work writing on the web all the time. And you could easily, you could live as a freelancer easily. But for me, I just never was able to really, or most people could live as a freelancer if you had a business sensibility and you could manage your life and 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 really organize your your life as. A, but I was never able to be very good at doing that. You know, I I was a partier. I, dr I had a huge drinking problem at that time. You know, and I, there was really no. I had no way to really manage my life in a, in a business sense to, to be to organize all of that and you really have to be able to do that you know and um so i so and then so metro wound up just being the base you know and i'm i, I always wanted to get out of san jose and and i'm not saying this in as a uh a, a dude who's sitting around depressed or anything i mean but it's more I'm, at that time 20 years ago my plan always was to leave and go to europe and be an artist or a writer and hang and do all the romantic things that we all hear about but then um san jose wound up being 
a totally logical place to base myself because I had just I had been here my whole life and I realized I had a, a whole matrix of crazy perspectives that you had never seen in any newspaper in this town anywhere, you know, and it's the alternative weekly type of voice, you know, that what I do would never be allowed in a daily paper. And Metro really uh, gave me the platform to do that and to find my voice and get a lot. Now, I had other publications and other assignments, things going on besides Metro, but Metro is the place that really provided the platform and gave me a, a, a platform to find my own natural voice in the, you know, snarky, uh, you know, wandering, you know, dissident type of dude that I turned into. You know? <laughs> okay. Uh and there's a lot of classic, you know, background for the wandering, you know, dissident journalist, you know, persona. People have, throughout the 20th century have done, you know, mostly in Europe, not in, you know, America, you know, but it's, you know, but so I just turned into that. That's what I turned into. And um, and I'm very grateful and very lucky because, you know, I mean, that they've allowed or that Metro is basically more or less has allowed me to be myself, you know, and use my own natural voice, whereas most newspapers won't do that. Or there's no place for someone like me at most newspapers. And Metro, there is. Yeah, They've, yeah, I've, yeah. They, they, they had a place for me, and it didn't wasn't really even a, that much work, really, you know, for that, for that to be understood, you know. And do you, I, and, I fit in there at that time, you know. Yeah, and, and obviously you still do. Yeah. Do, do you see yourself continuing to write weekly columns for the Metro? I have no answer for any of that. I, I, there's no plans to stop doing it. I mean, you know, it's it's more just um, nothing is permanent. So I don't want to be doing it when I'm 95 years old or anything, you know. But um, I do think the city is drastically changing and there's always less and less space for people like me and voices like mine. It seems that way. I mean, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, you know, the city is changing and it's becoming more you know, hipsterish and, you know, $25 salads at restaurants. And it's, it's like the, what everybody wants. You know, nobody wants the guy wandering around talking about where all the record stores were 30 years ago. <laughs> okay, You know, I mean, you know, it's and I do a lot more than that. OK, but, you know, I can adapt pretty well to the changing nature of the city. So um, I am grateful that I'm able to do that. But um, I don't have an answer for how long I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, if I as long as I'm um, traveling is what turned me into a writer in the first place. I really always wanted to do, I mean, everything that Anthony Bourdain turned into, you know, that's sort of what I always wanted to do, you know, just to be the the snarky, you know, guy with the punk attitude that went out to all the underbelly of the world and opened it up for all the other people and sat down with the locals and learned what their stories are all about, you know, not write, you know, dorky guidebooks about where the 400 thread count sheets are and all that stuff, you know, I mean, where, 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 where the top five sushi restaurants are in London or something, you know, I want to go into the underbelly and find the, the, the downtrodden, you know, dissidents and see what their stories are, you know, and uh, I mean, you know, so that's what I always wanted to do. Writing is what I mean, traveling is what turned me into a writer. So um, as long as I can travel, yeah, uh, or find ways to travel and write that kind of stuff also, yeah, then I can see still staying in San Jose. But I mean, traveling is to me, traveling and writing are inseparable. So as long as I can at least treat the San Jose stories as if it's travel writing, which is what I do often, you know, more often than not, you know, then I, I can, I'd love to keep writing this column, you know. Um, 
you know, so there's a famous quote by Paul Theroux. I think it, it, it's on my website somewhere, but it goes something like, uh, you know, um, uh, I was an outsider before I was a traveler. I was a traveler before I was a writer. And I think one led to the other, you know, so that's that's exactly what happened to me, you know. So traveling to me is important, you know, as long as I can at least, you know, get out and across the ocean and see the world every so often, then I can stay living here. You know? Yeah. Well, as a side note, uh, quite a few years ago, um, I was at an event uh, featuring um, uh, our, our, our friend that you were just talking about. Uh, Paul Theroux? No, or? no. Uh, <laughs> uh, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, Bourdain, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he in person, was as snarky as he came across, you know, yeah. uh, on the television. I mean, he was he was a quite an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, so this past year, uh, you decided, I guess, to compile 250-plus uh, columns and turn it into a book. Tell us how that happened and what, where it's being sold. How can we get it? That's a great question. Um, at the very end of last year, uh, 2020, um, uh, we, I published um, an anthology of some of the best columns that I've written in Metro over the last 15 years. So there, it's somewhere between 250 and 300 columns. I don't think I ever actually counted how many. I think it's, pro it's somewhere between 250 and 300 um, arranged chronologically from 2005 um, all the way up until spring of last year so about a year ago and, uh, and it's, and it's a, um, a lot of people even after five years of writing that column people were asking me to do an anthology okay you know so it took another 10 years after that but um, and I did it because I do think that there's so that most people in San Jose don't even know what happened five years ago, let alone you know 30 years ago or 10 years ago, you know. So and I thought it would it, people would ask me to do this for years, and um, I did this entirely for the readers, you know, because there's still so many people out there that you know the alternative weekly press doesn't always reach immediately you know there's a million people in san jose you know metro can't reach everybody you know and um, i do think that there's a lot of a lot of people in fact i think mo most people in san jose just assume that it's just a not very interesting place okay whether <laughs> that it's just a wide it's just a widespread out place where you come to live in the suburbs and raise your family and do this and that and they don't automatically assume that there's anything to write about <laughs> you know or at least not in how i do it so i think um i since everybody had been asking me to do it, um, it the time was right. Um, it had been 15 years. It, it was a perfect way to leave a legacy, you know, uh, and say and and hopefully inspire uh, younger people to see that this could be understood as an interesting place if you just open up your imagination and go out and look around and use a, a, a Zen perspective, you know, Zen mind, beginner's mind kind of perspective and see the world through a, a, an explorer's viewpoint from a child's imagination or whatever and just find all kinds of crazy perspectives about San Jose. And then it could be, you could get a, a more of a sense of place if you do that, you know, and these are all, and, and, it's, and it's a wonderful overview of the last 15 years of that column. And the craziest thing, and I, this was not even intentional, um, the craziest thing is that a lot of what's in the book does not exist anymore. Even stuff I wrote about three years ago, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you know, buildings, stories, places, bars, restaurants, 
there's restaurants and things in there that I'm writing about in 2006. And then 10 years later, I'm writing about the place closing, you know, and a lot of that kind of stuff. There's people in there that have since passed away. Um, or five years later, I'm writing about their obituary or what they did. Um, there's also, it's a great vanishing, you know, ghost-like side of a lot of San Jose that doesn't exist anymore. So, um, and you can get the book in any way that you prefer to order any other book. You can order it through Amazon or bookshop.org or the IndieBound, you know, the independent bookstore network or um, you know, any bookstore, any brick and mortar bookstore can order it. Um, if you're around town, uh, Recycle Bookstore on the Alameda and Recycle, the other Recycle Bookstore in downtown Campbell, those are basically my headquarters. They have been for years. Uh, they've been very good friends even before, uh, the, even before they worked at Recycle, they were good friends of mine. So those places are basically my headquarters. If you want to, if you want there to be a guarantee that you'll find it, uh, you can go into either of those two stores. But um, Books Inc. will have it, uh, Hickleby's and Will Glenn. If they don't have it, they'll order it for you. Um, you may have to pay in advance. I don't know. I don't really know. But um, but you can. And my website has links to every way you can possibly order it: um, Amazon, Bookshop, Bookshop.org, IndieBound. Um, Oh, what else is there? Barnes and Noble, uh, Walmart, uh, every way that you can imagine. And then there are people overseas that are buying it too. So if you're overseas, you can, it's probably a lot faster to buy it via Amazon, although not everybody wants to hear that these days. But, you know, but if you're, if you're in Europe, yeah, that's how people are generally buying it right now. But um, I'm not selling millions in Europe or anything, but there are people that have a connection to San Jose. So it's not just, it doesn't just resonate with people that are living here physically. There are people who used to live here and maybe they read the column 10 years ago and now they've moved somewhere else or they have you know, relatives that used to live here. And that's happening a lot. People are buying it for their friends who don't live here anymore and they want to remember what it was like. You know, um, so there's, it's resonating with all sorts of people in all, di all sorts of different ways. So I'm pretty happy with it. Is it self-published or did you go through a publisher? And technically, it's self-published. Um, Anti-Man About Town Press is the publisher, but that's me. That's my imprint um, just for this book at this point unless something else happens. But um, so it's a print-on-demand book. So, you know, you order it and it gets manufactured to order. But if you want if you want to walk in, physically walk into a place, like, we, like I said, uh, Recycle Books in Campbell, and the one on the Alameda both have multiple new copies, and um, they're they've ordered them many times over since it came out. So that's generally that's that's the headquarters of the book is are those two stores right now basically. Well, I work at uh, Recycling Campbell, yeah, uh, and I can tell you that for all the months I've been there, and I'm in my sixth month now, it's always featured prominently throughout the store. Uh, so I know how happy they are uh, to have it. And when I told the store manager, Stacy, that you were going to be um, zooming into our book club in July, she was visibly excited about it. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, they are staunch supporters of yours. Yeah, well, I'm very, very grateful. You know, they're, they're, they've been my local used bookstore, hometown used bookstore since at least the 80s. I mean, the original one was downtown, you know, multiple places. Um, I knew it when it was on Santa Clara Street 
I would take the bus down there when I was a teenager, <laughs> back when the buses ran all the time and they were totally cheap and you never had to wait more than 15 minutes for the bus to show up. Uh, I would go down there and go to twice read books and recycle books and underground records and you know all that stuff you know so there's um i have a long history and i know people who worked there even before that when it was even in the 70s and uh, at other locations downtown but uh recycle books has a long long history they've outlasted the campbell one is relatively newer of course but the the other one the one that's on the alameda the lineage goes back to downtown when I knew it in the 80s and it was at, when I was younger and um, it's been around a long time. There's a there's a great column in included in the book is the 50th anniversary of Recycle Bookstore. That story is included in the book. It's in there somewhere. Um, so, you know, big fans of those guys. Yeah. Uh, as an employee there, I see how many people are excited to walk into that store and be there. So um, I don't think it's going anywhere soon, fortunately. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, do you have any plans to convert Silicon Alley's into an ebook or an audiobook? There is an ebook already available. Anybody who wants a Kindle version or um, there's a Kindle version and every other ebook version you can imagine. If you want, if you have a Kobo, you can get it for that. Uh, but there's a Nook version. There, I mean, it's the ebook is is as readily available as the paperback. So that's already out there everywhere. If you go to Amazon, it's you'll see the paperback and the Kindle like you would any other book. So that's out there. Um, you may have to look a little harder for the other ebooks um like but if you go to barnes and noble it should be there there should be the paperback and the nook version and if you have ibooks you can get that you can go to the apple store you can go to the kobo store or however you want so that's out there already um audiobook is a heck of a lot of work so i really don't anticipate i mean that that would be at least a hundred hours of work to do that you know i don't really probably more than that. Uh, so at the moment, I don't anticipate there being an audio book. It would be a lot more fun to just maybe read a, a few of those columns on various radio programs or a podcast like this. Or I know there is somebody working on a documentary about my column where there would be me reading a few of them and then, or I don't know what, this is years down the road probably. But um I, I would be more interested in collaborating and doing stuff like that rather than sitting down for 200 hours and reading the entire book. And um, it just, it, there's just, I can't, I mean, now I'll never say never, okay, but you know, I don't have any plans to do that, unfortunately, you know, sorry. Well, your voice is perfect. I hope so. And uh, everyone's been, I, people have told me for decades that I have a radio voice. I'm happy about that, but I just, it's just a lot of work to, to do that so i have yeah. to, i really have to calculate and bang out the numbers and see if that's worth the time you know I, again i'm not saying never i'm not dismissing it out of hand okay but you know, well, i have to really think hard about that all right one more question about the uh, about that book how did you pick your columns how long did it take for you to to get to the point where you had the columns ready to go oh that's a great question um it took about two months to go through all of the back issues of Metro and 
pick out which ones I wanted. And the answer is more, I guess, more, it's basically, uh, I've written about such a wide variety of stuff on that page over the last 15 years. So I thought the best idea would be to just provide an overview more than anything else. Okay, so I just went through each year and picked out an over what I thought would be a good overview. Like I don't want half the book to be, you know, the same type of story. Okay, you know, and that's also the reason why it's arranged chronologically. There's several reasons why it's arranged chronologically. One of which is that there's no way to put these stories into categories. I mean, it could be, you could have, you know, one one individual story could be about, you know, Zen Buddhism and punk rock and San Jose history all like in the same paragraph. OK, you know, so there's no way to categorize any of these stories at all. They're totally uncategorizable. So the best way would was to put them all into chronological order that way, you know, because just to cite one example, Tamara Alvarado and I are walking around through a crackhead laundromat in 2005, you know, for example, and then 13 years later, she's running the School of Arts and Culture at, you know, Mexican Heritage Plaza and showing me the east side and talking about the roots of the whole neighborhood. So there's a lot of stuff like that where people are there at the beginning and they come back into the column 10 years later or built or places I'm hanging out at in the beginning in 2006 or, or no longer there 12 years later. So, so, so that's so it had to be done chronologically. There was no other way to do it. So that, you know, um, and then the idea then was just to provide an overview of, of all the different things that I've written about. And this was just the stories that are in my own column. Okay. You know, so for example, if I wrote a music story that was elsewhere in the paper or an art story that was elsewhere in the paper, then those are not included because this is just the, the stories that were on my in my column over the 15 years. So, and it wasn't that difficult. I just provide picked out a, 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 an overview, you know, and there are several, it's like, it's like any greatest hits album, you know, there's going to be stuff that certain people want in there that is not in there and vice versa, you know, and this is just a, it, it was just a, I, I think it's a great overview and uh, it's not everything, but it's a really good introduction to San Jose if you just moved here because you're getting all this from a native's voice. And it's also a great nostalgic experience if you've left, you know, and, um, you know, so it, I think it resonates with a lot of people. Uh, I ask every author this question. Do you have a writing schedule each week? That's a great question. Um, no one's ever asked me. Well, no, people have asked me that, but it's more like. I mean, the paper comes out every Wednesday, so they generally want me to turn in the column, you know, the Friday or the Friday beforehand. And I usually do that or I turn it in over the weekend. OK, you know, so um, and it, sometimes it takes a long time to write. Sometimes it doesn't. OK, you know, I mean, what, what you're getting, I mean, it, it's hard to answer that kind of question only because, you know, it's just because. The, the, the physical mechanical writing of the story is only the final stage, okay? You know, if you and me are sitting here talking and then some sentence comes into my head and then I go run home and write it down, okay, that sort of counts in the time that it takes to write the story. Or if I'm walking down the street, there, uh, 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 the right word may come to me that I couldn't find earlier. Or sometimes the story requires me going to the library and looking up, you know, old addresses and doing research for four hours or, or, or some call or there's people I'm quoting in the story, so I have to call them on the phone and arrange the interviews and then transcribe it. You know, so every everyone every story is totally different. Some of them are written more journalistically, with the lead and a nut graph and a, 
and quotes and all that. And other times it's more just an abstract mystical screed about something, you know. So the only schedule is that I have to turn it in every week by a certain time and, you know, and there's a deadline, you know, and, um, you know, and that's, that's, that's just pretty much it. Okay. I mean, if, in 16 years, I've never done one a week in advance. It's always the week beforehand. So that's crazy, I know, but it's just the way that yeah. it works. Okay. Know? All right. Uh, the last question I think I'll ask you is about uh, your San Jose Earthquakes book. Yeah. How did that come about? That's another great story. Um, uh, I grew up here. I mean, I was born here, but, you know, I grew up here in the 70s as a little kid, you know, and in the 70s, um, you know, San Jose was a wasteland of a place. OK, if you think if, to everyone who thinks it's boring now, OK, you should have been here in the 70s. Believe me, there was nothing here in the <laughs> 70s. OK, and, you know, and my dad was an immigrant from India, you know, um, and he played soccer. I grew up playing soccer just like everyone grows up playing soccer. I, I never played it with any intentions of going pro or anything. We everyone just played it. OK, you know. Uh, and then at that time, we could watch the highlights on, on public television. We grew up watching Soccer Made in Germany and we wa watching the British highlights. And, you know, the earthquakes were just the team that we had, you know, the original version, the original incarnation in the 70s. You know, San Francisco had the Giants and the 49ers. Oakland had the A's and the Raiders and, you know, and the Warriors, if you, you know, and we had uh, the earthquakes okay it, no one thought it was any less major of a sport or anything okay that's just what it was okay you know so we grew up playing this and i never left this i never left okay so uh i worked as a i worked as uh, selling you know peanuts and candy in the stands at spartan stadium when i was a teenager during the era after the original league had fallen apart and then when the current league, Major League Soccer, started in 96, I was in college, and then I started covering the team as a journalist when Landon showed up around 2001 and then never stopped covering the team. And then finally, when in 2015 came around, I knew they were gonna have a brand new stadium of their own, so then I was in the perfect place to, to write about the whole freaking history, and so that's what happened, <laughs> okay? So did the San Jose earthquakes approach you? Or? No, no, this was my project. I huh. just said, I mean, well, the the old guys who had played in the 70s are the ones who were bugging me about it. And I probably would never have done it if they hadn't, if, if they weren't bugging me. But I mean, you know, uh, it was, it's a great history and it's a great story. And that's why I wrote it. It was primarily because, you know, they've overcome so many obstacles. And, and the story of that sport, in San Jose is the story of San Jose itself. You know, it, they've, it's been a struggle to be taken seriously in the face of all the other major sports, you know, cause, and then San Jose, of course, has always been struggling to be taken seriously as a real city and in the face of San Francisco, you know. Um, so it is, it is the quintessential San Jose story. So it was a perfect history book to write. And, you know, like in all hubris of the world, I thought I could, I, I could release the book or get it published right when the stadium opened and therefore sell a zillion copies and become a millionaire, which never happened, of course, but um, it did do okay. And people were still buying it. It's not dead yet. You know, it's, it came out six years ago, but it's still a great story. The team still gives it to, the team gave me a lot of the photos in there, but they had nothing to do with putting, doing the book or anything. I went and interviewed former players, coaches, and uh, staff members and um, just, 
tried to connect the dots from the 70s all the way up until the current day. And it's a really cool story, all the different obstacles that the sport has overcome to finally be successful. Yeah. Um, if you can, if it's successful, who knows? It's, you know, all relevant, but or all, all relative, but, you know. So it, that was a fun project, you know, and um, History Press specializes in those types of books, you know, local, hyper-local, geographically local histories and things like that. So they went, they said, fine, you know, and um, I did it in about three months, I think. Um, you know, there are many, there were a million ways to write the book in theory, you know, I could have done, but I think I, I chose to do it just in linear fashion from just to tell the whole story of how it all began and right up until when the stadium was opening. And you don't have to care about soccer or sports to really enjoy that book. It's a, it's a San Jose story of just the constant struggle for self-determination to be to, to be taken seriously as a real city, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. the older old timers know what I'm talking about when I say that, but um, the younger people, I'm not so sure, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Okay, uh, but before we, uh, we end this, I just wanna let the listeners know that we're out of time today, but beginning uh, my next session, uh, I will have a very fun, interesting uh, fact for you about the literary world that you probably didn't know. So I got, I got one ready and uh, next time I'll let you know what that is. For today, Gary, Thank you so much for taking the time for being my first guest on this podcast. Uh, I, I couldn't have had anybody better. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been awesome to come down here. Okay, and thank you listeners. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio.